0: I friends and welcome to the Metacast brought to you by Navic. I'm your host, Nicola Vreke, or Nico for short. And today I'm joined by Casper from MMA Gaming and Jesper Lindquist from Animoca Brands. And as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, we have a mixed panel, which is the first time. So we have like one semi-pseudonymous slash anonymous person. And then we have Jasper who's here. We can see his face and his cool glasses. Um, So the point of today's episode is to discuss what is next for crypto gaming guilds. Uh, I have a bit of an intro for that, but before we dive in, let's get to know each other a little bit. Um, So, you know, Casper, could you start off, give us a short intro about yourself, whatever, what you can say actually about yourself and then about MMA gaming. And then uh, uh, Jasper can do the same.
1: Great. So 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 yeah. I'm Kasper, co-founder of MMA Gaming. Um, we're a Gaming Guild and DAO, and, and like most Web three related guilds, we were birthed in the Axie era. Um, I, I think what's interesting and different about our guild and then how it came about is it was really um, we identified this kind of financialization layer that was placed on top of these games, and, and it was actually a group of you know gaming. Gaming operations guys and and kind of more DeFi finance guys coming together and saying, "Hey, look, how do we optimize this workflow a bit?" And and you know we had a lot of success with that model up until recently when obviously things have changed. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about talk about that. So so yeah, pleased to be here and discuss the the kind of the future of where these guilds are going.
0: Fantastic, great to have you, Jasper.
2: Yeah, great. Um, well, my journey has been a bit longer, um, or shorter at the same time. Right. So I've, I left my, my home country, which is Sweden, moved to Asia and I've been here almost, uh, two decades now, uh, different, different endeavors and, and, uh, yeah, mainly in design fashion. Uh, the last thing I did was, uh, trying to build an eco resort in Philippines, uh, and then COVID happened. So, I kind of like got locked in between, um, between Philippines and China, where I was also working. And, uh, yeah, so I'm here in Hong Kong, um, try to find and something else to do, uh, because I did, I lost what I had. So uh, I came into web three, I, I learned about it and, and I found it very interesting and intriguing in terms of like the fundamentals, but also the tech behind and everything. Um, and then same thing as, as Casper, uh, learned about Axie last summer, started a, a, a family guild with my wife. Um, she was eight months pregnant. So we didn't actually have the time. I also had a full-time job to add to that. So we didn't actually have time to race. Um, we, we were looking at it, but every time there was like, oh no, now the baby's coming out. Oh, and now I have to, you know, screaming at nights and everything. So uh, it was a little bit different journey, but um, in the end, I started talking to Animoca, I knew some people in there um, and uh, they got me, uh, yeah, just on board. And um, all of a sudden I was managing all the different guilds that they have in their portfolio. Um, and that's actually been a, an amazing journey, even though the, the space has changed a lot. And I guess that's why we're here today. Um, it, it's quite fascinating to be part of that and also see where uh, where it's steering to the future.
0: Mm hmm. Great. So- You know, maybe let's take a step back and talk about the emergence of guilds. So, last year we saw the explosion of NFT based play to earn games with the rise of Axie Infinities, uh, sorry, Axie Infinity, where players could earn tokens by owning NFTs and using them to play games. Um, And so, because of that, it was no big surprise that the demand for these NFTs spiked. Um, because the money earned by playing was sometimes higher than national median uh, wages, especially in Southeast Asia and South America. Um, And so this naturally led to a price increase for these NFTs, and after which we saw the scholarship model emerge. And so in the scholarship model, one party actually owns the NFTs and rents it out to the scholar um, who uses that NFT to play and earn. And the earnings that the scholar earns would then be split amongst the NFT owner and the scholar. And so... This basically introduced a new business model, the um, NFT slash Play to Earn Gaming Guild. So guilds, the idea was that guilds would buy a large amount of NFTs, recruit a large amount of guild members and let the guild members play with these NFTs. And then they would split the earnings. And it sounds like a fantastic idea. And so over the past month, as uh, 12 months, as a Web3 game VC investor, I have seen dozens of Dozens of pitch decks from different guilds, Um, none of them a family guild, Jesper. So, I mean, (laughs) maybe you're onto something, I don't know. But they were all aiming to do the same thing, um, to, you know, buy assets. So fundraise, buy assets and rent them out to their, um, their scholars or their guild members that would then play and then they would, you know, earn money from there. However, we're about a year after the Axie boom now, in the first months of a crypto bear market, and the play-and-earn or play-to-earn earnings have gone down the drain. And now it seems that most people in the space realize that it won't be that simple to earn money by just playing a game. And so this leaves us with the question: What is next for these guilds? A lot of them have, you know, raised funding with the promise of, you know, buying these NFT assets and, and generating revenue from those. Um, but it seems like those revenues have gone down. So what do you do now? Um, you know, If you have a stable of these NFTs, uh, what, what's best to do with them? Uh, how are guilds shifting their business models and their targets? So let's start with Casper. Casper, um, could you please go a bit deeper into MMA gaming and what you were doing um, initially, what the plans were, and then how that has evolved over the past months?
1: Yes, sure. So, <clears throat> like I said, the the original idea really was to scale out the the scholar model, uh, you know, uh, and diversify that across various games, not just Axie. So, I, I think during this boom period, you had a lot of games kind of built around the, the similar the similar model of Axie, kind of with different avatars or different types of NFTs. Uh, and, and like I say, our, our kind of USP there was actually to to optimize a little bit the workflow from You know, player earning in game currency to eventually kind of cashing that out to to kind of real world um, currency. So, like you said, that the kind of interesting thing that's happened here is this original core model uh, is only really viable when you've got a a certain minimum floor on, on the in game currencies. Such that such that it's attractive for people to come to come and play. So I think you know the majority of this like massive number of players that, that came in into the space were primarily earners uh, for the most part, and, and that kind of demographic, that strata of, of player type now has, has started to go away. Um, so you know s- scholar numbers at the aggregate number are dropping, like for us, definitely. Like we had a lot of attrition, um, you know, simply because it just wasn't worth their time anymore. And, and you see that across the board and you see that reflected in DAUs in, in a lot of these these games as well. Um, but what, what's kind of interesting then, I guess, uh, from a gaming point of view, is although the top-level number has dropped down, the actual kind of demographic split has changed as well. Um, you know, one thing that that we did was was we kind of built a, a, a kind of model for when we're looking at these games, which ones might be more sustainable, which ones more interesting. And a big part of that was understanding the different types of player that play the game, their role in the game, and and kind of what is appealing within the game for those player types. So along a similar vein, what what we're kind of thinking about now is, okay, look, we've had this reformulation of of the player type. You've got these games who want players. Us as a gaming guild, um, if we've got a bunch of players um, and we're seeing attrition, How how do we how do we end up with a group that's somehow going to have value and add value to the space? So I think, um, you know, there's there's two main things here. The first one is as a guild, like what kind of players do you want to attract to join the guild? Um, You might think a player is just a player, but actually in in the end when you've got a crowded space where there's a lot of guilds with a lot of players um, who can go and play games and help bootstrap games, um, you really want to have some kind of differentiating factor to say, hey, look, our player base or our demographic is interesting and, and can, can do this that maybe the players in other guilds can't do or can offer something to the space or to a certain game. You know, whether that's as kind of content creators, uh, the user acquisition angle you talked about, or, or if they're in a particular region and there's a native interest in a certain, a certain area. So I, I think that's what we're doing is we're really looking at okay look we're, we're a guild we're, we've got players how do we how do we build a player base that's interesting differentiators and and can add value to the space um, and and to games. So I think a big part of that you know how do you get good uh, interesting unique players to come and play for you a part of that is of course. You know, you've got this huge pool of gamers which are all web free or legacy gaming focused, and, and how do you onboard them um, to, to crypto gaming? I, I think we, we've talked about this in the past and, and for us it's really it's mostly about two things. Number one is the narrative change. Um, this kind of idea that you have web two games and web three games kind of on the side. you, you, you know you really need that to be more like, look, there are games. And some games have, uh, you know, certain technologies which are embedded within them, which may or may not make that game more interesting, uh, more unique, more fun. Um, so I think when we can move to a world where people just think of games as games and some have certain technologies and some don't, that's going to play a part in, in kind of um, bringing down the, this wall or the or this stigma um that we see from a lot of legacy gamers, and especially when we're trying to recruit people to our guild, we see it where, where they kind of, they don't want to touch crypto, they think crypto is a scam, you know, maybe without fully understanding what, what it means to be um, a kind of blockchain-enabled game. So, so yeah, um, really kind of narrowing down what we've got in terms of the player base, and, and then as operators in the e- ecosystem, um, how can we add value to other, other players in the ecosystem? So you, you know, there's, there's a few ways you can go here. You can kind of look at this natural um, QA, where, where you, know, you can have players doing beta testing for games, um, going in there and, and saying, hey, look, um, let's try and break the game. Let, let's try and see what issues there are. Uh, and what's interesting about that is now you're seeing um, quite a few little companies and projects um, sprout up which focus on economic simulation. So they look at, okay, look, if you've got 10,000 people coming to farm your token, uh, you, you know, press enter, let's see what will happen to the prices, what will happen to your economy if that happens. Um, now, I think that's great. And I think that's important if you're trying to make a kind of token enabled economy to, to do some scenario analysis. Um, but I've, I also think you need to somehow capture the chaotic nature of uh, game players, uh, especially in... in MMOs and, and what can and can't happen. So I think there needs to be a kind of empirical human element as well. So the, there's there's almost certainly um, kind of room there to add value that way. Uh, as operators in a space that's highly nascent, so you know, like you say, maybe a year, 18 months tops, you, you know, you've had, had these games running. Um, that experience, although it seems small, is it, kind of more than anyone else in the world has. Um, so, you know, there's value as kind of advisors consultancy, which you see some some guilds doing, and there's definitely demand for that. Um, I think some of the conferences I've been to, you kind of have a mixed bag of, you know, d- development teams who just kind of don't want to be involved, but others who are like, okay, this is interesting. Maybe this is the next big thing. I don't really know anything about it. Um, you know, yeah, let, let's have a chat. What, what does it mean for a game to involve block? chain technology and for a game to have nfts and what could that possibly do for my next title um so there's there's a a kind of like education that that needs to happen there again coming back to this you know breaking down of the web three web two divide um i guess the 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 last thing I'll, i'll just touch on quickly because i've talked a lot is uh A lot of guilds are are acting as kind of like primary investors in in seed rounds, in in Series A rounds, which which I think is is interesting. Again, so as operators in the space, you you obviously have some expertise in terms of you know seeing the ground moving ahead of your eyes, um, possibly seeing what's what's actually missing in the landscape, uh, identifying those opportunities, and saying, hey, actually, you know, there's a there's a market for this product. Um, so I think that's the, the main advantage you have versus you know, someone who's just investing from a kind of like we've got dry powder perspective. Um, you're actually there on the ground and, and you can see what's missing. You know, us as MMA, it's not really like our primary modus operandi, um, but certainly we've made some investments in those kind of uh, infrastructure plays where we've been trying to build something ourselves because there's just nothing on the shelf and, and actually there's a project there um, you know, doing that as a standalone entity and, and, and it just makes sense for us.
0: Uh, thanks, Casper. So Casper touched upon some of the shifts he suggests that guilds could make, like, you know, more focus on content, user acquisition, quality assurance. Um, what do you see? Um, you know, you speak to quite a lot of guilds, either, you know, through Anamoka or just personally. Um, what do you see as, as you know, common business model shifts pivots um, and where do you believe that the most of them will end up or how do, how do you see those um, and like how do you see guilds differentiate and and where will most end up
2: yeah I think um, what Casper did was he, he he did touch upon a lot of these these things that we I have uh, I have uh, talked about as well with, with different guilds there are specifically um, you know like very early on, for example, looking at the VC angle, uh, I think there was a lot of investments done and, and some of the guilds that are, are some of the larger guilds out there specifically, they, they, ha- they have or they had large treasuries and, and they utilize that with, with investing into other games and other guilds, uh, etc. cetera. Um, that, that works to a certain extent, um, but the problem has been there is that since the whole space has, has kind of come down uh it, it's hard for them then to exit and 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 get any money out of that and and then you know that probably will be good in tr- three years from now um but it's hard for them to utilize that treasury now uh, when they might actually need it going into a bear market and they might need to build and and bootstrap for for we don't know 18 months 36 months um so so that that's that's one of the angles that the guilds has taken and and i would also argue then are they a guild if they are a VC? Like they, they technically can be both, but the focus I would say has never been on the scholars. It's been more on the, on the, the uh, VC side once the money start rolling in. Um, we have, we have guilds. Um, we, we have a, an interesting guild over in, in, uh, the US, which, which basically focus everything on the investment, but they get really great deal flow based on. Them being a massive uh, esports and and uh, streaming uh, company down in in Latin America, and so they get a lot better deal flows, a lot better deals, and they offer those kind of uh, services then as 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 a as a, as a payment. Um, and I think that's a great approach because you get the the high quality products coming to you. Um, it's been hard, obviously. I mean, everybody was running so fast. Uh, during the the, the the metaverse uh it's almost like a small bubble right uh, during that bubble last last fall um that investments were probably done too fast with not enough dd and and uh we have seen that now in, in a lot of projects as well so yeah so i don't know right now i think that those guilds are much less active in you you know burning through that treasury they i've heard uh that they're more or less offering advisory which is not bad we need great advisors who understands the space to actually uh, provide you know good wisdom to to these different uh, games that are building or infrastructure what it might be um so I, I think there's still value there um and then the other part definitely um offering services to games what, whatever those services might be it could be user acquisition uh it could be marketing uh it could be game testing all of that is also part of Some of the guilds have looked in that direction and some of them are mixing that with, with other solutions as well. I think everyone, the last six months have either pivoted very early or they're still in that transition becoming something where they actually have revenue models, right? Because I think that's what the biggest difference is. The only revenue model guilds had back in, back in October last year was revenue share. And and uh, that 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 was that wasn't working. So so they they, they really have a, a lot of issues. Now the very early on, almost all guilds, and I'm not sure about MMA, but all guilds that came in through Axie Infinity realized it's really hard to do payments. It's the biggest headache. It's slow. It's it's not automated. Um, so a lot of them built out different tech to solve that. That meant that the natural step as a second step would be to have some sort of SaaS uh, company coming out instead. So instead of being the the guild as a service, it's a software as a service. So we have a multitude of these larger guilds that did get a lot of funding. They built a lot of tools and therefore now launching different tools. Some of them mostly internally, but but still, I would say most of them are external tools uh, being built over time. and then we have uh, we have guilds like a blockchain space over in in Philippines, and I think uh, Peter Peter Ing was one of the first ones to actually identify that there's there's a lot of a lot of other value than just getting scholars to 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 take some of the scholars' money in uh, in return, uh, and and he 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 kind of built this guild aggregator, so he's looking at micro guilds and then guild sizes all the way up to the mega guilds uh, and everything in between and. In my case, I would say I almost, we almost had like a hundred scholars. So we would be somewhere of a medium sized guild or small guild, however, however you want to label it, but everybody felt and and saw the same things uh, happening. But then looking at all of these guilds and I, I told him, um, that he has a unique position because he has, first of all, connection with a lot of these guilds. He has, and he has aggregated data out of thousands of guilds that are smaller. Um, this is a a large uh, potential in 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 you know you can you can put them against each other or you can collaborate with each other and and that way earn from different services and different different things within web3 um and he's working on a few projects uh, around that i think um and then yeah we have the esports angle obviously which i think is it's going to be more of an add-on to another type of service. It's not just going to be a guild that is an esports uh, a company. It's more of a it, it more mostly run more more of a an added feature where utilizing the streamers and the, the esports team as marketing for for the guild and then ultimately different games and, and something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 not easy to see where it's going, but I think that it's somewhere in between all of this. And, and um, what, I, what I like to do is I like to zoom out a little bit and think, is it, is it all about, do first of all, do we call them guilds when they're no longer a guild? And I think that we should stop talking about scholars because that, that, that is not right. It should be players or gamers in, in that sense, I think. And then at the same time, guilds per se, are, do they have to be specifically gaming guilds Only focusing on gaming, or could they be Web3 guilds where they actually offer services on a much higher level and they could offer blue colour, blue colour services and white colour services across the board, and that way actually help grow the whole entire ecosystem. And that's sort of the angle I want to see happening because there is a lot of potential. There's a lot of great people out there. COVID showed that we don't actually have to work in the same office day in and day out. We can have amazing people working in in Venezuela and, and in Philippines and in Singapore at the same time. Um, so why not utilize that and why not, you know, capture that opportunity?
0: Love that take really love that take. <clears throat> it's really interesting. Um, it sounds to me like you're describing guilds as the new web three native workforce of the internet where, you know, um, there's going to be a, a ton of small tasks within either games, virtual worlds, but this could be non-gaming related as well. Um, and then you have, on the other hand, a group, a large number of smaller groups of people with specific skill sets. And when I want to double click on these skill sets later that could potentially fulfill the needs you know, of this new internet, of this, this Web3 enabled internet. And so to double click on, on those skill sets, right? You know, traditionally, um, people get rewarded and revenue gets generated when there's value being created, and this value is usually created by people with very specific niche skill sets and you know one of the questions that keep me up at night and it doesn't really keep me up at night, but I just can't find the answer to it is what what the hell can gamers actually do that adds any significant value within virtual worlds if they don't have a very specific skill set like i don't know knowing how to code, actually creating something right? Um, and so it seemed to me from the outside, and, and so I'm, I'm putting this out there, would love to have your feedback on it, that most of the guild members that joined these gaming guilds that were like, oh, you know, please rent me an NFT. I'm going to play a game, earn some money with it. And then, you know, 80% of that money goes to me and then 20% to the guild or whatever the split is, um, that these people usually are the ones that are lower skilled, right? Because of the opportunity costs where if they had actually any, something better to do because they had a niche very useful skill set. They would be earning way more money. Um, and so m- my question is, what do you think about um, this? And how should, like, if, if that is true, how do you think guilds will start adjusting or, or pivoting? And and will we see, like, a, a training component there as well?
2: You want me to answer, or Casper, you want to go first?
0: Go ahead, Jasper, okay. yeah.
2: Um, ahead. Well, for the lower skill sets, I, I do understand what, uh, what you were coming from. And um the way i would kind of i don't know if that's a great analogy but i would kind of compare it to you know instagram influencers right so you have a huge value in micro influencers as well and it's a smaller take but they all together you actually bring a lot of value to brands because one influencer can do just one thing but you can have a hundred thousand influencers posting liking you know engaging on a whole other level actually ticks the the uh, algorithms a little bit more than, than just one so there, there there could potentially be those kind of things where, where you can where you could use them as quality and this sounds really wrong but uh, skills that are and, and and okay let's do it this way we go back to Ax infinity before the scholars we had a lot of bots they did very simple things to earn money for companies and then instead guilds came up and they actually hired people to do the same kind of thing uh, so quality bot work could be done uh, as well. I think for 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 this same unskilled workers, uh, it takes maybe half an hour per day. But they go in and they click and they subscribe and they comment. Has to be quality. It has to be somewhat ma- managed, but that has to be managed and educated by the guilds. So when you come back to that, what you said, yes, there definitely has to be training uh, from the guilds. And I think part of the one of the main things for guilds was not only to to you know spread the, the love of X Infinity, but actually training people and onboarding people onto Web3. But then if we go to the next level, we also don't, like, so the communities we have today, they came in mainly, and, and uh, I would love to hear Casper's view on that as well, but the, 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 the gamers that came in for Web3 Gaming came in to make money. They didn't come in because they love these games. So it's a completely different type of gamers than you have in, in Web2 communities who actually are there for the games that they love. So if you want to see it on that level, uh, we might have to replace different communities or add channels into the discourse or however we want to, want to see it. Um, but if we want to get, we, sorry, what I think about these guilds as more of a workforce, um, I also think that because they already have to acquire more people, they also could go to universities and, and start working with universities that, that have tech development. So you, you could actually increase, but because you already have to acquire new people, you already have to train people. So why not go after those different segments that are really needed in the space? Because we do need that to make sure that the whole blockchain industry moves forward. We don't have enough people as it is. So that's sort of where I see there's an angle there. Will somebody pick it up and do it? Or is it done in another way? Perhaps, but but within Guilds, I still think there's a there's a
1: possibility to do so. Mm-hmm.
0: Gasper, what's your take?
1: I think I got like two points so first on the side for guilds who are who are really shifting the dial from uh, low skill scholars to kind of high skill players kind of going from that grind end to the to closer to the eSports end, I, I think the biggest value is really what we've been talking about where you can kind of identify problems with the game loops with the mechanisms um, and, and I guess this exists already to, to a degree as, as a kind of role in, in legacy gaming. You know, just for example, one game we were um, seed, in, seed investors in, um, we were kind of looking at the, the breeding mechanisms and things like that, planning how we, how we would play the game. And, and actually, one of our gaming leads identified there was a bit of a bug because after end cycles, you, you kind of end up with just all one, one kind of breed. So I think that kind of information needs well, well-versed players um, to actually come and kind of look as an extra pair of eyes outside the box um so yeah it just comes down to to kind of really narrowing down your player base identifying a demographic that you think has value uh, and going in that direction just to touch on what you were saying I think I think the guilds that are going to do best are going to be the ones who actually say okay this is what we're going to do this one area and we're really going to focus you know everything on that rather than this kind of um, smasmable of, you know, we're going to do, uh, you know, QA. We're also going to do esports. We're also going to do seed investments. Um, I, I, I think the ones who are going to win are the ones who say early, look, we're we're going to toss everything else to the side, and this will be, this will be our thing. This will be our north star. This will be our our kind of mission. Then coming back onto to the the kind of big guilds, the super guilds who have got you know, this mass of players and scholars and, and what can they do in, in terms of pivot. I, I always thought originally, um, you know, actually, why, why don't you think about this group of players in this big community as a distribution channel? But then you take a step back and you think about it, well, actually, most of this pool uh, are there because they were playing to earn a minimum wage. So are they, for example, going to go out and spend $10 buying a game on Steam? And, you know, probably not. Um, so so this is where, like, that idea may have had legs, but because of the demographic of the group, um, it, it probably doesn't work as well. So, like you said, you have to look at it more as, okay, you've got this labor force, you can teach them, you can upskill them, and you can apply them to different creative things which can be as attached or detached to web-free gaming as, as you like. Um, so, yeah, I think those are my, my main thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to touch. Are you I just, I just want to answer quickly on the, the multi multi approach. I think that the main reason we're seeing these, I mean, they're really smart people in this industry, and that they're they're taking this approach of trying to do esports in all of these different uh, areas. Uh, and I think they're doing that because they simply don't know which one is going to work. Right. And I think they, it's kind of just a proof of we are in a space that is is running very quickly. There's a lot of development. And, and it's really hard to navigate. And I think some of they're, they're just taking a lot of bets at the same time. And then hopefully they, they have built the right, yeah, yeah, you want to be in the right, right place yeah. at the right yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very difficult. It's uh, it's not an easy space to be in.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Jesper, you, you also mentioned um, that some of the bigger guilds you know are actually developing tools. Could you elaborate a bit on those? What kind of tools are you talking about and who do um, they serve?
2: Yeah, um, there's, uh, there's one guild that's building a, basically an SDK for games. Uh, to onboard uh, players uh, for payments for for um, I mean also helping with the blockchain integration and for lending. I mean I think lending was the biggest thing if we look back six months ago then everybody wanted to build a, uh, some sort of lending platform. Uh, we have uh, actually at Animoca a really good company called ReNFT that are working with a lot of these lending tools. Uh, they've been building SDKs and they've been building platforms and dashboards and all kinds of things, but it's all happening in the background. So we, we don't actually see exactly what they're doing. Um, but, but they're, they're, they're really skilled in that area as well on top of these, these skills. Right. So that's, that's one angle, uh, to, to, to have as well. And then there are, there are one guild that's building out almost like a, an, a package for everything. So you have, if you're, you're a web two game, you come over, you want to do web three. Th- this this uh, toolkit is gonna solve all your problems no matter which blockchain et etc so they they have a, quite a a large grand ambition um to do so but just m- m- basically taking care of everything for a game to become more of a of a blockchain um yeah blockchain game um and then on top of that we have um yeah it, it's how to say like there's <laughs> I don't want to say anything that's not good about these companies. It's just like the industry moves so quickly. So I think that there's been times where some of these entities have developed uh, products that quickly are not so useful. And, and the problem as well for, the, for the, the, the whole space is that one, it moves very quickly, but two, guilds are a layer on top of Web3 gaming. If Web3 gaming is not working, then how can they be web three guilds, right? Uh, gaming guilds.
1: Then that's also why we're seeing underneath. They always yeah, say layer, layer zero is the, is the community, right? Yeah. hundred percent. That,
2: that, that's exactly, that's exactly it. So you take that away, you strip it away. So, and also to be honest, I don't, I don't know your numbers at over at MMA. Um, I just seen, uh, you know some of the smaller guilds I've been speaking to I don't know the numbers because nobody's really want to share this with me uh, at our portfolio guilds that actually like how many how many people are actually playing there's obviously a lot less than before uh, how active are the communities there 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 is not a lot of engagement so also to bring back guilds uh, guilds 2.0 we have to actually push uh, new people in there. We have to get them engaged again, and how do we how do we get them inspired? That's that's going to be a, another task that that's for the future.
0: Fascinating discussion. Um, I so personally have been seeing one like a lot of pitch decks from guilds that wanted investment, um, but I've also seen a few games that pitch to me that already have commitments or investments from guilds. Jasper you've seen quite a few of them could you tell me the what these investments usually looked like um, do you see a lot of mostly nFT investments do you see token investments a combination of both um, what do you see most of the time
2: uh, in the beginning I would say it was um, it was a lot ma- mainly mixture so I, I think that you would you have like nfts you would have tokens and you would have um, uh, also advisory like th- those are the three that they, they usually leveraged. Um, going further, when when everything went a little bit more more shaky, become more and more tokens.
0: Before before you can cont- continue, sorry to interrupt you. What do you mean with advisory? So you, there's you know, fungible tokens, the NFTs, and then advisory. Advisory is from the guild to the to the game. game yeah. or is it the other way around? To the
2: guild, from the guild to the game uh, in terms of you know navigating the landscape. Because a lot of these games are also because it was such a speculative uh, surrounding. You could launch an NFT PFP project and then you said you're going to have a triple a game the next month obviously they didn't know exactly what they were doing they needed some sort of you know help in terms of advising how do we actually build a game or how do we navigate this crypto investment uh, you know industry so all of these things together there there's there was a need and there's still a lot of need for 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 you know cross knowledge i would say and and i uh, that was part of what what a lot of the investors offered on on top of of just Cash and, and and what they were like aiming for, but but like I said, so so going you know f- further in when I would I don't know exactly, but let's say February March it was a lot less NFTs, a lot more tokens, and and then now I, I think it's it's uh, it now it's a very different market, and I don't know if uh, you you probably know more of that than, than me, Nico, as, as you're sitting there with Bitcraft.
0: Mm-hmm. What I've seen is I've seen a lot of pretty terrible games that had zero chance of ever becoming sustainable. Right? You know these play-to-earn games, um, like in the in the style of idle games, where you know you're you're doing something and then you you generate a resource and you use that to upgrade your base and then you generate more resources and like it's a continuous loop and it's like an exponential growth. Um, and, you know, games that expect if they put that, like they, they make that token fungible where one player who has been playing the game for months, you know, generates 15 billion resources a, a minute. And, you know, a player that plays the game from the beginning generates, you know, one resource per minute uh, that that could ever be sustainable or actually work as a game. And so I've seen games like this that were funded by some of these guilds because these guilds don't have a lot of experience investing in games because investing mm-hmm. in games is, is not very, not very easy uh, because making games is extremely hard. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty concerned for the long tail of these guilds, right? The smaller guilds, um, that, you know, because they had limited access to deal flow, had to invest in some of the lower quality games and products out there. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on on this on on like the the chances of of these and you know um, we like some spicy takes, so please feel free to um to 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 put it out there that you believe that they're all going to make it or, or no one of them is going to make it um Gaspar what do you think
1: yeah so um like i said like it 's never been our primary model to do to do these kind of investments, but where it mm-hmm. made sense and and we were building things. Um, or, or had relationships pre-existing. We, we've done them, uh, and it's kind of exactly what you say. <laughs> Investing in these things is hard. Um, first of all, you, you know you have to choose the right company, but like, how how do you even do that? So we've had to build, you know, from a team of non-VC people, our own kind of due diligence program, and, and how does that look, and how does that work? Which would just be kind of like table stakes for any other investor. And then the, the second problem is, of course, like how do you get the deal flow? How do you compete with all the other um, pools of capital out there who, who have, you know, much bigger long-term networks, um, and, and not kind of end up with this selection bias where you're left with the the kind of crumbs and, and like you say, the not great deals at the table. So, you know, I, I really think that's challenging, at least until you've. Established a strong enough network where you can get that deal flow, and actually, kind of built in-house some specialists who, you know, don't just invest on the side, right? You know, I think like, um, you know, throwing some dollars as an angel investment is quite different to doing VC investment as a company. Um, You you need a lot of established things, which many of these guilds don't don't have, in my opinion. Um, So that's my thought on that. I just want to jump back, like quickly, on the on the the tools actually um, that that you were talking about, Jasper, um, and, and just to mention a point, like we obviously have done similar to what you said, like built a lot of internal tools um, to help us when we were running that kind of big model. Um, now, now that's changing, and we also had the idea of like, hey, this is great. We could we could kind of like productionize this, and then smaller guilds who don't have a dev team um, can use it and pay us twenty five dollars. Um, but the, the thing is, at least in our case, and I think in the majority of cases as well, um, a lot of those tools were all based around this business model, which is now no longer viable or sustainable. Um, so you have, you have you know the value of the tools as well as the value of the tokens and the NFT also degrading significantly. Um, you know, so for us, we're just going kind to of say like, OK, hey, OK, that's fine. Right. These tools we built and um, they served us at a point in time for doing what we were doing. Um, you know, now now we need to, you know, change what we're doing and, and to pivot. Um, and, and you just have to kind of say, look, okay, we're, we're not going to go down the, the route of investing time and resources in productionizing this and kind of putting it out there because you know the, the the market is no longer there for this for this product. That's not to say there are tools which are still viable, like especially more on the kind of analytic side and aggregation side of, of things. Um, so, so, so yeah, that's it. I, I think like basically VC investment is is, is very hard. I, I think as a guild, you can have an edge in that you're on the ground floor. You are operating. Um, you can probably see things that that some kind of finance guys in an office can't see. Um, but at the same time, that the whole the whole kind of frame and infrastructure around that takes a lot of resource and a lot of expertise to build and to build well.
0: Mm-hmm. Jesper, what's your thoughts on, you know, the future of, of the long tail of smaller guilds?
2: As, as, uh, as investors or?
0: No, no, just like in general, in, in general, in general. Um, you know, my question was, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get out of you that they're, um, they're going to have a very, very hard time. <laughs> Um. That, that that's my goal, but obviously I'm. I i can not predict what you're thinking. So uh, no, go sure. ahead and, and well, yeah, share, share your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I can mute myself, and you can talk over. No. Uh, <laughs> so I do speak to some of these smaller guilds, and I mean, yeah, it's it's around the size that we had. Um. To be honest, I mean, in if I speak on a personal level, we're we're all completely wrecked. Um. We 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 put in money. We borrowed money from family members, and. Um, I mean it's not a huge amount but if you got in in July August it did cost a bit of money to to actually get in um but the way I looked at it because I I did used to live in Philippines I I love that country and and I love the culture and the people and for me to to uh contribute in some way during a, a crisis um in the end all that money didn't go to like a VC it basically went to all the our scholars because that's what was drained out right so I don't I actually don't mind losing that and and it it also you know we lo- it learned a lot from it it would have been greater if it maybe wasn't my personal savings but that being said it's it's uh, you know that's all forgotten now um and we're building for the future and i think a lot of these smaller guilds i, I told that story just to like a lot of these guilds did that they did ex- exactly the same they were like a couple of friends or or something and you know i I found the whole thing fascinating with, like, trying to figure out the breeding and trying to figure out, like, what's the next meta here and there? Like, there were so many, it was so complex that it, it was really hard to actually figure out. The only thing I figured out early was that this is not going to work. Um, but, but then we were in. I mean, and, and you kind of, there, there's a stickiness, right? Because as a guild, you invested and you have all these people, families writing to you, sending photos of their family get-togethers and stuff. It's not like you can just pull the plug and exit. I, I couldn't do that, and actually, I did the same journey with Cybol mm. later on. We, I, I had like, a, I think almost eight x my, my investment, but I didn't want to pull it from the, this the, these guys because you know they're my friends. Um, so so it was it was and and you know the, the, it was a similar journey, but of, obviously Cybol was was much more much more managed, and and it it, it went well in the end. It's just like it it's um it was like part of that journey you jump, jump from one one game to another so i think that a lot of these smaller guilds that's what they did they don't have the insight they don't see everything from a i have a i have a great position because i can see a little bit from above because i see the, what the largest players are doing in the games and everything so th- that that's that's a great chance um but a lot of these small guilds they just i spoke to one guy i think two days ago i just asked him what what did you do and he's like i just parked it i mean everything is there, the branding, the, the assets, the, the community is there, but it's sleeping. And, uh, if there's ever an opportunity, we'll try to wake it back up. And I think that's, what's happening. I think it's not dead. They're just in a, I don't want to say coma, cause that sounds hibernation, too, but just like hibernation, hibernation. Yeah. hibernation. Yeah. Yeah. that That's the word I was looking for. That's it. Uh, so, so yeah, that's it. Something like that.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, To me, intuitively, that makes a ton of sense. It feels like the whole gaming guild model, where that's not not necessarily focused on play and earn. Uh, you know, it's not all about owning assets and then generating revenue from it, but more like, you know, as we develop more immersive virtual worlds with assets that have, you know, real tangible value and assets that, you know, become increasingly rare or increasingly useful in different ways, you know, the value of these assets goes up and then, you know, a single person might not be able to hold them. And so, you know, I can see people coming together to own, you know, for example, a spaceship that they can all use and fly and and use to like explore planets and solar systems and stuff. And so it intuitively to me makes sense to group people together um, in a financial way once games get more and more financialized. But I also have been, you know, very vocal about the fact that I think that in the current iteration of blockchain games, games are generally too financialized where it's all about, you know, trying to make money and um, you know, for me, I, I think, you know, the hibernation strategy actually makes a ton of sense because to me, it feels like, you know, I think that the current iteration of MMOs would not work with Web3 because of the over financialization um, would ruin the player experience. So it wouldn't be fun anymore. But I, that doesn't mean that I, I believe that no game will work with Web3. And so I believe that. Within five to ten years, the biggest game in on the planet will be like a massive MMORPG that is going to be blockchain based, and it's going to like mimic the real economy almost. Um, and I think there will be a very real place for guilds to actually like have a purpose and actually add add value as well. Um, and so, you know, if you have people that are passionate about gaming, um, and you know, you you have some sort of infrastructure of communication and and you know being able to lend uh, assets, etc. I think it makes sense to, you know, put that on hold for a bit, see what business model actually sticks, and then, um, you know, like get back into it when it when it makes sense again.
1: Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think that's totally uh, totally right and totally fair, and uh, and probably a lot of the people who are who are pivoting, they're ultimately pivoting to more capital light. Models, right? So, even though they're not totally hibernating, they they are still keeping dollars on the sidelines to to kind of see, okay, where where is the best place for me for me to you know ch- channel this in the future. Um, and, and it's interesting what you were saying about okay, when we get to a stage where we've got this kind of true metaverse, whatever that means, and people have careers within the metaverse, um, you, you can kind of imagine these guilds being much more similar to kind of guilds in the real world where you have the you know the plumbing guild right or or you're going to have you know the the guy who who you know mm-hmm. fixes the engine on the spaceship there's going to be a guild of engineers there's going to be a guild of um kind of career orientators how these people um live their lives within these these metaverse worlds or live their their time which they they give to these metaverse worlds
0: 100% agree yeah uh, fantastic. All right, um, I think that's it. It's it's a more hopeful note to end this kind of sometimes a bit depressing episode. So, apologies, listener, um, for that. <laughs> um, where can people find you, Jesper?
2: Um I, I'm on I'm on Twitter, but not very active. I'm 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 just starting off my my uh, online game, so maybe later in the future. Okay. But I do I do exist on Twitter and I, I'll, it as Lindquest.
0: Lindquest. Yeah. Okay um how about you casper
1: um yeah so i i'm at status casper on on twitter um but you can jump in the mma gaming um discord uh often in there um yeah come come and take a look have a chat if if anything's interesting for you
0: fantastic thank you jesper thank you casper um for being here for sharing your thoughts your ideas um yeah, it's an interesting concept, I think. you know, Guilds do have a place in the future. Um, I'm curious to see where they go in the short term uh, and especially where they go in the long term. All right, la- listener, thank you so much for listening. If you made it here, uh, feel free to... Uh, if you did like it, give us a thumbs up or five stars, wherever you are. Um, subscribe if you haven't already. And then Navik does some great newsletters so you can subscribe there. And we also do some breakdowns, very in-depth breakdowns about free-to-play games, but also crypto games. Um, and you can get a Navic Pro subscription for that as well, if you'd like. And then, yeah, with that, we're out. And we look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Cheers.